Hello and welcome to the McKinsey Africa podcast with me, Kerry Naidu, the podcast that brings you conversations with leading experts and shares actionable insights into the challenges and opportunities facing managers and leaders working in Africa. In this episode, we're focusing on African banking in the new reality, the title of a new report calling for swift action and a focus on three imperatives that could strengthen African banks and support recovery. We're all aware of the manifold crises wrought by COVID-19, not least the implications of the rapid economic contraction we've witnessed across Africa, affecting all industries, including banking. Now, as companies and leaders start to look toward recovery, new analysis from McKinsey provides us with some optimism and suggestions for the way forward. I'm very pleased to welcome Uze Gina, an associate partner in our Johannesburg office and co-author of this new McKinsey report on African banking. Welcome to the McKinsey podcast, Uze, and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Kerry. It's a real pleasure to be here with you, and uh, thank you for the invitation. And hello to all our listeners out there. So let's begin with a very basic question, Uze. Just given the depth of the humanitarian crisis on our continent and the still uncertain trajectory of the pandemic, why the focus on banking? That's a really good question, Kerry. And whilst we're deeply invested in helping banks emerge from this crisis as unscathed as possible, our interest is much deeper than just restoring their ROEs or return on equity. Our interest is in the leading role that banks play in the recovery of the continent as a whole, including the important role that they play in helping to support customers, uh, both businesses and consumers, and the swift actions that they've actually taken uh, to do so. And so the good news is that government data and financials released by the banks in you know, the four of the major economies across the continent, Nigeria, Morocco, uh, Kenya, and South Africa, show that the pandemic's impact on our banks was much less severe in 2020 than we initially expected. And given the important role that banks play in the broader economy uh, and as important employers and taxpayers in the broader society, uh, this is good news and it could signal a much faster recovery for the continent as a whole. Hence the optimism, right? That's it. But there's an obligation in that, isn't there? As major role players in the continent's recovery, there's an obligation on banks to move decisively to ensure their own health for the continent's well-being. Absolutely, Kerry. I think as you know, key drivers of stability and liquidity, uh, a strong banking sector is absolutely essential for Africa now more than ever. Uze, you said the impact on the African banking sector wasn't as bad as feared. Can you just share a bit more about that? What has the impact of the pandemic been here on the continent and how does that compare with the rest of the world? Banks around the world have been affected by these cascading credit losses as people have been out of their jobs, as companies have been forced to shut down as a consequence of the various lockdowns around the world. Uh, you know, real pressure on credit repayments, uh, both on the kind of retail side and the, and, the, and the corporate side. And so this uncertainty around demand uh, has created uh, a lot of concern with people you know, particularly worried about the kind of overall stability of the banking system. And you, and you saw that reflected in share prices uh, of banks globally, right? You know, banks, bank share prices down anywhere from 30% to 60% market by market. Now, a lot of that has recovered as people have found that the extent of the losses has not been as severe as they had originally expected. However, 
the impact on ROEs is real and it's going to be substantive. Uh, you know, we think average ROEs for banks uh, will dip below 1.5% in 2021 around the world, right? Before returning to the kind of pre-crisis levels of around 9% in 2024, right? So that's in developed markets. Now, that's essentially five years worth of lost returns, of returns below the cost of capital, significantly below the cost of capital. Now, in Africa, I think, you know, fortunately, the impact has not been as severe and, and, and will be less severe going forward. Certainly, our ROE started from a much higher base, roughly about 14 15%. And so whilst those have fallen by about 50% to about 7% in 2020, um, we actually expect this to rebound near pre-crisis levels in the next three years. However, I must point out that African banks are facing a challenging path to recovery. Increasing risk uh, and the lower for longer interest rates owing to all-time high government debt levels. Uh, and subdued demand, given kind of low consumer and business confidence, are likely to be major headwinds facing them as they start to look beyond the crisis. Well, we've been here or something like here before and not that long ago. The last global financial crisis we faced was in 2008. That's only 13 years ago, plus the Nigerian oil crisis from a few years back. Are there any important lessons from the last crisis that could help banks negotiate this one? You know, a couple of points. Right? The, the first one, and the most important one, is speed. Speed is everything at a time of crisis. It was the most important lesson from the, from the 2008 crisis uh, when we saw the American banks and the U.S. government respond quickly. We saw European banks and banks in other parts of the world respond much more slowly. And as a consequence, they had to deal with the consequences for a very long time. Um, and the banks that kind of reacted decisively and quickly um, just fared much, much better, right? Um, have been much healthier, have not had those problems to deal with. Of course, you've got to be moving fast and in the right direction. There's a strategic part to it. Um, but, uh, but, you know, you, 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 can't, you can't do this without moving quickly. Of course. And many African banks have already acted boldly to manage the economic fallout of the pandemic. You could say that they've been pretty strategic already. What should their focus, their direction be now? So I'd like to kind of just kind of stress, right? You know, the banks can't just wait for things to kind of get better by themselves, right? Um, getting back to those pre-crisis levels is going to require significant effort for the banks, right? It's, so if risks are not mitigated, our estimates suggest that the African banking market could lose more than $48 billion dollars in post-risk cost revenues by 2024, right? So that's, that's the underlying driver for this below cost of capital returns that, we were, that I was talking about earlier. And broadly, we, you know, we think that there's kind of three, three big things that you've got to do to fix it. The first one, risk management, and there's an absolute imperative about bringing down the cost of risk. Uh, there's a second, which is about how do I drive productivity um, across the institution? Uh, and across the sector. And at the heart of that is going to be, you know, there's this huge shift to digital uh, in the customer behavior. So, you know, how do I reduce the cost of my branch networks, et cetera? Um, but also, how do I just digitize a lot of my back office processes? And then thirdly, as you heard me alluding to, um, at the heart of this and enabling all of this is going to be technology. Um, and, and actually being able to use technology uh, to extract a lot of those cost savings, to unlock um, and enable some of those further revenue growth opportunities going forward um, is what's going to help to build the kind of core strength and post-pandemic resilience that, that the banking sector is going to need. 
Okay, so you talk about productivity, scaling up technology, and risk management as sort of the three areas of focus. Let's look at those three in more detail. Talk to us about why a focus on productivity is so crucial now. So productivity is always important, of course, but in this context, it's particularly important for African banks to build a productive engine because their cost to asset ratio is more than twice uh, the global average. Now, the impact on their returns has been masked to an extent by the high banking margins um, that are underpinned across the continent by kind of relatively high interest rates. Right? So even if you look at South Africa now, uh, as an example, we're at the lowest rates in a generation, uh, but rates in South Africa are still, between, you know, the prime lending rate is still 3.75% versus in Europe, where then, you know, central banks are lending our money at, you know, nil or close to, close to nil and in, and in some places even below nil, right? So I think that, that impact has helped to protect the banks uh, for the kind of productivity challenges. Okay. But now the rates are cut and we've had, you know, across the continent, you know, anywhere from 300 to 500 basis points to 3 to 5% worth of interest rates cuts. And they're going to stay low for a while. Um, banks need to kind of actually start addressing those root causes. Our, based on our estimates, banks will need to increase their operating efficiency um, by 20 to 25%, right? so a fifth to a quarter uh, to get back to that pre-crisis ROE. A 20 to 25% increase, that's seriously upping the game. How do they do that? Yeah, absolutely a big ask, um, but a completely achievable one, we believe. Right? So, you know, kind of four big levers that banks that want to kind of improve their productivity need to engage. And, and all of these are kind of fully within their control. You know, the first is really about, you know, resetting third-party spend, right? So in 2020, uh, a lot of banks uh, had some categories where demand has massively reduced, things like travel and events. And, you know, the most aggressive banks here are going to you know, establish policies and really kind of manage this demand and kind of reduce those costs uh, kind of into the future. Right. Now, there are some cases where demand has increased, telecoms, equipment around remote working, and, you know, Banks that are going to be successful are establishing policies and are already getting kind of renegotiating their contracts with their telecoms and other providers uh, to get volume discounts. Um, now, this kind of momentum needs to be sustained. And you know, a lot of banks in 2020 already set up these kind of what we call spend control towers to really manage the demand. Um, and, and, and this simply needs to kind of continue right? And lastly, is this kind of idea of, around you know, supplier clean sheeting, um, really building up the detailed view of what it costs to provide a service, understand kind of supply margins, and then make a call as to whether or not that's kind of a, you know, something that you're willing to tolerate. If your provider is earning, you know, return on equity is vastly in excess of the cost of capital, you know, maybe that's 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 somebody you need to go and have a discussion with. The other kind of big area, right, is on you know, how do we think about these kind of what we call minimum viable central functions? Uh, you know, really this question of, you know, what does a truly zero-based structure look like? And it starts with self-service and, you know, automating processes and, and, and really embracing that. And so, you know, in areas like HR and, and in finance, many banks are already on a path to achieving you know, 20, 30% productivity gains through initiatives like this. Uh, with significant opportunities for other areas like risk and compliance uh, still to come. 
I'm guessing that the third lever has something to do with digital. McKinsey's Financial Insights Poll Survey conducted in October 2020 found that most consumers expect to increase their use of digital and mobile banking services after the crisis. That must impact on banks' choices going forward. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, the third lever is absolutely all about digital. Um, and banks will need to significantly change their makeup of channels and footprint uh, to, to get to kind of this greater productivity. We've seen, and you know, we've been running these uh, quarterly surveys across the continent, consumer behavior and financial services in Africa. And what you've seen is a huge shift, of course, you know, towards electronic channels, but more importantly, a big, a, a, huge, a big part of that population then saying, hey, we're actually going to continue this behavior afterwards as well. And so how do banks actually start to capitalize on that adoption, um, both from a uh, cost and productivity perspective by accelerating their own digitization, driving channel migration, but also from a revenue growth opportunity? You know, can I be the person who's the easiest to set up for merchant acquiring? Can I be the person who's going to provide the sickest, simplest, cheapest you know, peer-to-peer payment transaction? Uh, because the people who do that are going to be the winners, uh, whether those are banks or, or non-bank financial attackers as well. Well, I know that I'm not going to ever visit a physical branch again unless I really have to. I definitely expect my bank to meet me online. Um, what would you say is the fourth productivity lever? Absolutely. So fourth lever is really about how do you better use this kind of agile methodologies um, and taking the kind of the lessons that people have learned from the crisis around how do we take quick decisions? How do we uh, collaborate remotely? Um, and actually leveraging those kind of going forward, right? So how do I improve the delivery of projects? How do I uh, offer better access to online training? How do I uh, actually get access to larger talent pools, particularly for people in some of the smaller markets? Those are all about uh, embedding kind of new ways of working. So increasing productivity was the first imperative for recovery and post-pandemic resilience. The second imperative you spoke about was scaling up technology, which is also a part of increasing productivity. Just how important is technology becoming in the sector and how can it be deployed in the short and long term? Technology definitely has a, has a huge role to play in helping banks to kind of actually deliver on that productivity imperative. And then, of course, to unlock future growth, right, whether it's through uh, digital sales, whether it's through using analytics to identify new customer groupings and then be able to credit score them in ways that we haven't been able to do in the past. But there's a kind of separate opportunity, which is really, how do I actually just drive a ton of productivity and cost savings and speed to market in my IT engine, right? We think, uh, based on our analysis, that there's an opportunity to double productivity uh, in the IT organizations of most African banks, right? So where does that come from, right? So there's kind of this, there's two pieces, right? So one is, how do I better use newer, uh, modular, typically cloud-based technology platforms. And then the kind of, kind of, kind of concomitant with that is really around how do I use new ways of working? Right? So in the short term, banks can do a lot more with less, uh, through probably kind of two or three pieces. But one is how do I really simplify, uh, the IT estate, right? How do I, uh, automate infrastructure provision and, and, and a lot of the leading banks, both here and across the world have, have done a lot there. Um, and then on the software delivery side, right? 
and that's through kind of continuous integration, continuous delivery, CI/CD in the in the in the trade uh, platforms, right? And then actually just taking a much more granular approach to managing managing demand uh, and prioritizing it. Uh, and then in the longer term, there's well, how do I actually think about using platform-oriented architecture? Um, and so there's kind of move away from this typically, hey, I build one thing and I expect it to kind of use it, versus hey, I actually build a, a a series of what we call microservices um, that allows you to kind of swap in and out components and be upgrading much quick, much more quickly. Um, and then much more use of public cloud, where we've seen the likes of uh, Google Cloud, Amazon Web Services, Azure, etc., rolling out onto the continent, bringing their locations onto the continent here in South Africa, but in other places, we've seen a wave of investment. And so banks being able to tap into that is going to help them bring their cost down significantly. And so, you know, when we look more globally, we're seeing banks actually reducing costs by more than 20% through such initiatives, and you're starting to see African banks doing the same. And so, you know, actually being able to do this, uh, kind of really step-changing the infrastructure, uh, getting those productivity gains, can help banks then turn turn their attention, focus their attention on the growth agenda. Uze, you mentioned a step change in infrastructure. What will this entail? What could be expected of chief information officers and of banks in order to effect this kind of shift? One way that banks are doing this pretty quickly is partnering with fintechs, which have a lot of the skills and off-the-shelf solutions that they can rapidly deploy. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, not all of them are out here trying to eat the bank's lunch. Many more are eager to collaborate with established players, seeing them as a route to market for hundreds of thousands or even millions of customers. Technology surely also has a role to play in strengthening the risk management muscle, your third imperative. We've seen how leading banks have significantly reduced their cost of risk management by embracing new technologies and processes. Uzair, could you give us some examples and also talk to us about future possibilities? Yeah, absolutely. So the future is digital and digital analytical tools hold real potential for banks to reduce the cost of risk management and also position themselves for a future return to growth. For example, let's talk about analytics and real-time reporting. And kind of even using kind of relatively sparse data sets that all banks have, like transaction data, right? like debits and credits in and out of their core banking system, we can absolutely transform risk detection. We worked recently with a bank in East Africa and built an early warning system for their SME clients using just the account transaction data that the bank already had. And it allowed us to get a kind of 70, 80% probability to identify potential defaults one to three months in advance. Now, obviously this allows the bank to then intervene and potentially change the course of action uh, and, 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 and ensure that that customer doesn't go into default. Now, if we think about the kind of broader digital lending journey, and of course, there's digital collections. It's another great example of how operations can really be streamlined and, and enable banks to make much better decisions right, at a much lower cost. And so these new analytical capabilities will also allow banks to capture some real growth opportunities in the future. right? Uh, so untapped segments, areas like SME, uh, non-salary workforces, basically areas of the economy where banks have struggled in the past to assess risk. And, you know, some of that is going to come from learning from fintechs and other kind of innovators. So one bank that we know has taken an equity stake in a non-bank lender with some really innovative credit scoring capabilities and a new business model that revolves around the ability to uh, allow them to serve uh, SME customers better. So really no shortage of digital possibilities. If anything, I'd say the shortage 
is in the bank's ability to ingest all of these opportunities, prioritize it, put the right capabilities against it, and then ready grasp those opportunities. So at the moment, around 70% of technology capacity is directed towards maintaining the current IT infrastructure for daily operations. You have to fix the bugs, you have to make sure that everything's still working and manage the known and emergent technical debt as it arises. And so as we move and shift towards a much more platform-oriented architecture, automated infrastructure with public cloud uh, underneath it, there's going to be a real opportunity to move and redeploy resources across the IT estate. And so using those freed up resources, CIOs can reinvest and redeploy employees in these kind of completely new capabilities, digital first sales and servicing, uh, growing and analytics, just delivering new products faster, and even potentially exploring new business lines, new business opportunities around ecosystems, around adjacencies, etc. And so ultimately, by scaling up the technology, banks may be able to serve an increasing amount of demand at much, much lower cost. Uzair, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and hearing your views on the state of banking and your analysis on how the sector can take significant strides forward, providing better service with greater reach and so importantly, as you say, contributing to recovery on the continent. Any last takeaways for our listeners? Only to encourage African bankers to, to heed the lessons from the 2008 global financial crisis and, and, and all of the many crises we've had in Africa, Nigerian oil crisis, the interstate corridors in Kenya, etc. And that's act quickly, act decisively um, and move with certainty. Africa needs a robust and resilient banking sector. And on that note, I'd like to thank our listeners of our McKinsey Africa podcast series. If you'd like to learn more about this particular report, African Banking in the New Reality, we encourage you to visit our insights page on mckinsey.com, where you may also find links to our latest insights. We also encourage you to follow us on Twitter by searching our handle at McKinsey Africa and follow us on LinkedIn by searching McKinsey Africa. Thanks again for listening and we hope you can join us again soon.